reading this morning is taken from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, reading verses 5 to 8. And the next section that we're not actually going to read is very familiar indeed. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, thank you for the opportunity to learn from you. We pray that um, through the passage that we've just heard and through all that Beth has prepared, that you'd speak to us. We pray that, Lord, you'd open our hearts to be ready for you. And that as we think together, that it would be your voice that's heard and that you would come to us and be at work in our lives. Soften us and change us and make us more like Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm really nervous this morning and you're all over there. So I am actually going to get a bit bossy and ask you to move to the front, please. Mum, you've got to do this because you're my mother. Can I ask a couple of you? You don't have to. I'm not going to enforce it. But I'm going to gently encourage it. Thank you. And I'll move down here to be a bit closer to you. Ah, thanks everyone. That's kind. I'm also going to take my coat off because it's warm. (laughs) Oh, it's so lovely to be with you here this morning and so nice to be back in the house. So lovely. Aren't they gorgeous, these radiators? Please take time to admire them later. They're very smooth, I've noticed. Um, and it's also really nice to be here on Mother's Day. Um, and lovely that my mum can be here. So do say hi to my mum. She's very nice later on. She's great. Uh, I'm also relieved that there isn't a baptism this time as well. That's lovely. It's really nice. Um, next time. Um, I was awake early hours this morning. And um, I was thinking about this talk. And I'm actually a bit worried that I've written a sermon for myself. Um, which I probably needed actually, but I really hope that there are things that you can each take away from this morning. Um, So our current series is looking at the Sermon of the Mount, and I think it's an invitation for us to adopt the life-giving ways of Jesus, to be formed like him, and to take up the radical offer and challenge of living within the boundaries of God. And it's an offer because it's a choice, And it's a challenge because I think a lot of it is really quite difficult to do. And yet, I think it points to a God who cares not about righteous deeds or religion, but cares about our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our bodies. I love the verse in uh, Psalm 16, verse 6, where it says that um, the boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. And similarly, in Psalm 139, verse 5, where it says, You hem me in behind and before. 
And I'm trying to believe that Jesus is kind and gentle and longs to see us experience life fully. And his instruction is not to limit us. It's not to restrict us, but it's to free us, to help us inhabit patterns and practices that help us live in relationship with him. John Ortberg, uh, Ortberg, Ortberg, I think his name is, he says, for the soul to be well, it needs to be with God. And one of the ways we practice being with God is through prayer. And in Matthew 6, verse 5 to 8, we've just listened to Helen read beautifully. We're reminded of some of the simple habits of prayer that I'd just like to explore with you a little bit today. Uh, the writer and activist Anne Lamott uh, has this great way of describing most of our prayers. They go like this. Help me, help me, help me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And for many of us, prayer is reactive. Uh, but what Jesus is offering in these verses in Matthew is a proactive means of cultivating a regular habit of prayer. And it starts with when you pray. And it might be news to us, but Jesus does expect us to pray. I've been trying to learn how to pray for a really really long time. And I remember uh, being a desperately shy teenager, terrified of uh, speaking prayers out loud, but writing reams and reams and reams of prayers in my prayer journal. It was often a shade of pink, often had loads of flowers all over it. They still do. And it was very repetitive. Um, I also remember being an impassioned 20-something, praying quite chaotically, very inconsistently, and generally certain that God would answer the prayers in the way that I wanted him to. Thanks, Tammy. (coughs) I think she's going to get me a glass of water. Yes, she is. And and now I'm in my 30s and I've nailed it. But hey, no, I haven't. Um, I would say now I am more of a heart sore, kind of uh, scared to hope kind of prayer. But my experiences have shaped and formed some regular prayer habits, which I think is growing in me a slow, deep trust that God is a father who sees and knows what I need, just like Jesus talks about in these verses today. Brian Zand, a really great American theologian guy, says that the primary purpose of prayer is not to get God to do what we think God ought to do, but to be properly formed. And I think this is why Jesus talks about prayer the way he does in Matthew 6, because he knows that our prayer life forms us. I'm not going to give you uh, my top five tips of praying, and I certainly don't want to shame you uh, in any way for not having regular habits of prayer. But I do want to encourage your hearts to seek him um, and uh, to consider ways of praying in ways that bring you closer to him. I want to show you that the discipline and the daily rhythms of beholding God is all part of getting to know him better. And it's really quite simple because we can come to him just as we are and be completely known and loved by him. So I've been a bit honest about my own past prayer practices. Um, Now it's your turn. So for those of you who do try to do this thing we call prayer, uh, put your hand up if you sometimes find the habit of prayer hard. Oh, you're an honest bunch. Thank you so much. Boz, I noticed you didn't put your hand up then. I'll talk about that later. (laughs) 
really good at it. Um, so, um, it can be hard for many reasons, can't it? And we know that the world we live in, our choices, the circumstances of our lives have over time formed our habits and behaviours in positive ways and negative ways. And we see this in the way we spend our time, the things we give attention to, the beliefs we hold about ourselves, about others, about God. And I really believe we see this play out in our prayer, prayer time. Now, perhaps... Perhaps there are some of you, the lucky few, who find prayer habits very easy. Um, You don't wrestle with the tension of other loves drawing you away from God or struggle with a wandering mind or a shortened attention span or a phone addiction. Tell us your secrets, please, if you are one of those people. If you're not, and I think if we're all honest, there are many things that draw our attention away from God and distractions that persuade us from spending time in prayer and just poor habits like going to bed really late that prevent us from establishing daily rhythms of sitting with God. Um, Tyler Staten, who's the pastor of Bridgetown Church in the States, said recently in a sermon, we don't know how to dwell anymore. Phones have trained us for wandering and distraction and that is a problem for your soul. Now, I don't know about you, but my phone has definitely got in the way of my relationship with Eva. There's a, there was a time when I would try and turn it off uh, after school pickup and not put it on till after dinner time because I wanted to spend focused quality time with her. I wanted to be available to her because it was just so easy to pick up my phone and respond to that urgent need of feeling to reply or check. And when I'm not choosing to do things differently, it continues to interrupt my time with her. Feel free to ask her after the service. She's very honest. In what ways are your interactions with technology interrupting the intimacy of your relationships with those around you? And how much more are they impacting your time spent connecting with God? Now, we could simply read these verses in Matthew 6 uh, as, as a binary, how to pray and how not to pray. There is no perfect way to pray, but Jesus refers to two groups of people in this passage who he calls hypocrites and pagans. He comments on the performative ways these people would pray to impress others. Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, to, uh, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. They pray to get the attention of others. And he also calls out those who worship other gods in extreme and babbling ways, demanding things of the deities they pray to, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Jesus loves prayer, and he wants us to pray to him. And he's encouraging us to consider the posture of our hearts towards him to think about our motivation for coming to him in prayer, not just because we need something, although he wants us to ask. Later on in Matthew 6, he says, he tells us to ask, seek, and knock. But he wants us to come to prayer because we long for quiet communion with him, because we want to connect with him. And we don't need to say things over and over and over again or use impressive words or phrases just to get his attention or to get him to yield to our will. I think of my journal prayers as a 15-year-old. I remember listening to a sermon by uh, a guy called John Piper, who is not one of my top theological blokes at all, but he said, if you can pray nothing at all, simply pray Abba, 
Father. He knows before we ask him and he says to us, I'm listening, I'm here and I'm responding. We may want to appear like we have all our stuff together when we pray, particularly in church. Perhaps just to assure everyone we are prayerful, holy people, we promise. But what is done in the quiet stillness, without distraction, in secret, is where our true motivation for prayer is revealed. The idea of praying in secret relates to this other beautiful phrase that I love, and it appears dozens of times in both the Old and the New Testament, uh, this idea of the secret place. Uh, Some translations use other words such as shelter, covering, dwelling. And in Psalm 27, verse 5, it says, For in the day of trouble he will conceal me in his tabernacle, In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. And it doesn't refer to a a physical place. Just like Jesus in Matthew 6, it doesn't mean we have to literally go to our room to meet with him. Quiet solitude without distractions help. But he's talking about the secret places in our hearts um, where we commune with him honestly and vulnerably and transparently, and that's where he draws near to us. In Psalm uh, 91, verse 9, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Prayer is not just an invitation to visit God, but an invitation to dwell with him. And we're all unique. And have very different ways of connecting with God. I know many of you find him in nature, through worship, reading the words. Some of you are deep contemplatives who can sit in quiet and solitude for longer than I ever could. Some of you are passionate intercessors. Goodness me, we need you. And there are many ways to pray. Collective prayer is incredibly powerful and it should be part of our spiritual life with Jesus. In Matthew 18 verse 10 it says, Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. And yet, Jesus here in Matthew 6 is inviting us into a prayer practice that is intimate, where we quiet our hearts before him and where we are changed I remember hearing someone talking about prayer in that way, and it really disrupted um, what I believe prayer to be, that it isn't just about bringing the petitions of our heart to God or the longings and the needs that we have, but we do it because it somehow changes us in mysterious and wonderful ways. I can imagine that prayer habits may feel hard because for some of you, prayer has become a painful thing to do. The secret place has become a place of disappointment and discouragement. That place is familiar to me too. Um, You may be low on hope that God hears or cares about the things that you pray for. Or you may be in a season where you feel a bit passive towards prayer. You just don't have the motivation or desire to do it. I think we can sometimes convince ourselves that we need to feel a certain way before we pray the Jesus way. And I've learned that's just not the case. Um, Adopting any new habit ultimately requires a choice and not a feeling. And the magical thing about habits is the more we do something, the more we notice a desire to continue. 
And I, I wonder what it would be like um, to simply practice being with God daily in the choir, resting in his presence, learning how to dwell. No agenda or expectation, just beholding him for who he is. Tim Mackey from uh, the Bible Project spoke recently about adopting a new prayer habit of sitting with open hands in silence for 10 minutes in the morning. And he's spoken about how transformative that has been for his intimacy with Christ. Uh, Strong Coleman, a worship singer and writer, suggests lighting a candle and using that to hold your attention as you behold Jesus, gently turning your mind back to him every time it wanders. Our prayer life forms us. It forms our ideas about God. It forms our peace and it forms our hope. And I was given um, a really beautiful prayer book at Christmas and it's full of wonderful liturgy that I use in the mornings and sometimes the evenings if I'm feeling very hopeful. Not hopeful, holy boz. Um, And one of the prayers I pray each day is from Psalm 27 verse 4. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I see, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and behold the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. I think we have to go and find quiet and shut the door and dwell with him if we are to learn a habit of prayer that softly and gently reminds us and our hearts that he is a father who knows what you need before you ask him. And I think it's only by following the invitation of Jesus to pray in the secret places that we begin to see that he is, in fact, as good as he promises. That was short, wasn't it? (laughs) I'm going to pray for you all um, before we move on into um, a bit of worship together. God, um, however we each pray, whatever that looks like, whether it's just the odd word now and again, whether it's quiet time in the morning, whether it's um, prayer um, unceasing, God, I, I ask for each of us that you would help us respond to your teaching this morning, that there's an invitation to pray to habitually pray with you because it changes us. It forms um, things in us that only prayer can. And God, if, if we find praying hard because it's painful or because we're just a bit passive or we just don't really know how to do it again, would you please teach us gently, slowly, kindly how to sit with you, how to behold you, how to dwell with you, knowing that that is a place where we get to know the God that we pray to? Yeah, so I, I just ask, would you come, Holy Spirit, as we, we worship you, that worship is another way of praying. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.